Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see each of you today. Um, I, I want to start just this morning, and I'll get back and I'll introduce myself here in a minute. But uh, I just want to start uh, by saying thank you to this group here, huh? They do, they do a great job every week. I was so thankful for that this morning. Yeah. I, even, even in singing, I'm reminded as every breath throughout my week um, is this thing of the glory of God, and I'm sitting over there, and I'm kind of humbled because the breath of my week, um, sometimes I get mad at the very blessings that God has given and provided for me, and I'm there like, I'm reminded, man, I fall short, and that needs to be my praise there. So thank you so much to that group there. Um, is, it, is it a sin if you call in to work to go to church on, on Friday night? Is that a, right? No, it's not? All right, it's not. <laughs> but anyway, hey, I, I hope that you're able to be here Friday night. That'll be a great time together with them. There is that. Hey, uh, I just want to say something. Um, rules. If I say one word, rules, what, what comes to your mind? <laughs> None. You don't want any rules? Is that what it's? Oh, mom, there you go. All right. I don't know what comes to your mind when you say rules. If you're the firstborn, you're there like, yeah, rules, we need them. We need more of them, right? If you're the secondborn, you're there like, rules, they shouldn't be. And if you're the thirdborn, you don't even know what are they, right? You're kind of curious. Um, I, I, I'm just speaking from my own parenting experience. You have your own experience as well, right? Um, they're, they're, that's what it is. But rules, when you, when you mention rules, different things come to all of our minds. For some of you, it's there like, hey, yeah, I, we, we need rules. For, for others of you, it's there like, if there's a rule, I am going to look for a way to break it, right? I'm going to look for a way to get around it. I'm going to look for an out because it's probably a bad rule anyway, and it was probably made up by somebody that it shouldn't have been made up by, right? So, so rules. But I, I just want to give you a couple of examples of areas where we all like rules, all right? As a matter of fact, let's take a look at this picture right here. Um, I'm, I'm willing to bet those double, the double yellow lines, you're, you're kind of appreciative of that rule a little bit, right? I mean, get rid of those and you're just driving all over. Everybody drives wherever they want, but you're, we're pretty thankful because it's very dangerous and, and it's a life and death when we don't abide by, when we don't hold to the standard of those double yellow lines and what they mean. Um, how about this one? Another one that, that adds to that, right? Right up here. Um, some people may think that that means go, all right? But it doesn't. Again, quite dangerous if we don't follow that rule. If everybody just decided, well, I don't know. Um, red's good for some people, but that rule doesn't really apply to me. So I'm just going to keep going because everybody else, I mean, I'm the one that's important here. Everybody else needs to follow the rules but I don't need to follow the rules. If that's you, that you're, you're putting a lot of people in danger with that. Um, one more rule. <laughs> oh, uh, more of a suggestion, a suggestion right there, yeah. See that, yeah. Uh, why is that? They're all rules of the road, and yet one of them, right, one of them, we, we 55, that's, I'm a little more like Sammy Hagar, and I can't drive that speed, right? That's where, that's where we, get, we get stuck in that, right? We get stuck a little bit with that. But, but rules, we all, we all know they exist out there. And, and there are four reasons. We have them, right, that they, are, that they exist. But 
We're going to come back to that in just a little bit because we're in a series called Starting Point. My name is Joel, by the way. I am so glad to be with you. All right, it is great to be here with you. I, I love being here with this, with this group here. And, and we're in this series, Starting Point. And, and Starting Point, some of you may have even gone, by, uh, gone through it over the past few years because we do a Starting Point series uh, here at church and we, we invite people to do that. But we've decided to speak it on a Sunday morning series. And Starting Point is, is all about you and your faith. Because at some point, your faith had a starting point. For some of you, it had a starting point and then it had a wandering away point possibly and a point where you were brought back or a point where now you're, stand, where you're sitting here this morning and you're like, well, somebody invited me and I'm considering coming back to faith, but I, but I don't really know. And that's what starting point is about. And it's a series that's building up on itself. And we would encourage you to be here every week. And as we look at week four, we're going to look at this idea of the, rule, the, the role of rules, right? Because sometimes within church, we think church is all about rules, right? Do this, do that. If you grew up in a church, right? Maybe you grew up in a, I grew up in a Baptist church. Baptist church, we had lots of very good rules, right? Those of you that grew up in Baptist churches with me, you, you know that. And for heaven's sakes, the rules of that certainly wouldn't include drums, guitars, and loud music, right? Some of you, you're still recovering from that, right? You're still there like, I don't know about all that stuff, right? Um, for, me, for me growing up, rules, rules were this. Um, we, we, went, we had Sunday school. We had Sunday morning church. We had, when I was old enough, I had young peoples, right? Um, they now have fancy names like craze and fusion like that. But back in the old days, we were cool and we just had young peoples, all right? Who wouldn't want to go to that? But then Sunday night church, and then we had Wednesday night church. And on top of that, every once in a while, every so often, you would have a weekend series or maybe even a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. And we went to church. So it was part of the rules. We went there. Not only did we go, we went dressed up, right? I wasn't allowed to wear sneakers. I wasn't allowed to wear jeans. Why would anybody ever do that anyway? Oh, sorry. No, I'm just, I'm joking with you, right? But um, I wasn't, you, right, you weren't allowed to do that because we, we wore what was, we wore what was our, our best. And even as I got older, I said, but dad, my sneakers are my best, right? Those are, but, but he didn't find that as humorous as I did. Some of you grew up like that. You had, you had rules. You show up and make sure if you follow the rules, you belong, all right? Um, I consider some of those, sometimes those are what I would call community rules, Right? You see, there are sets of rules that exist in our lives, and sometimes there's community rules. And community rules are if you, lay, if you behave in a certain manner, if you behave in a certain way, guess what? You can belong to that community. Uh, right? My, for some of you, I, we don't have a whole lot of HOA, Homeowners Association, right, in this area. But if you behave in a certain way, you, you have to become a part of that Homeowners, homeowners Association. You have to maintain everything in your house, your yard, make sure everything looks good. And if you reach that, that's good. But for others of you, there's like a, a country club idea. You want to be a part of the country club? You have to maintain these rules. Work, all right? You want to maintain your job? There's a set of standards, a set of rules that you have to be. Well, I thought that showing up at 8 o'clock in the morning, I thought that was kind of optional. So I just come in at 1030. That doesn't interfere with my sleeping schedule as much. And plus, that takes me a little while to get up and moving and everything around. By the way, boss, that 5 o'clock time frame today, yeah, I got to be done at 3.30 because my favorite team is on this afternoon. It's baseball playoffs, and I got to get home and watch. Is that okay with you? Am I allowed to do that? 
no Phillies fans in here. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. One, two of us now. There you go, all right? But, but right, we, and community rules are if you obey the rules, you can belong to that group. For some of you, it may have been a fraternity or a sorority in college, right? You had to obey. I don't think they have any rules. But anyway, you had to do whatever it was that they wanted you to do, right? And then you could, be, then you could belong. You could be a part of that, that group. Community rules. But then there's a, another set of rules. And, and these aren't all inclusive. There are other sets of rules as well. But family rules, right? Um, my wife and I, Deb, when, when we got married, we were incredible parents. We really were. Other people's kids, we could have told them how to raise them better than they were doing all day long. Anybody else in here like me with that? Yeah. Then you know what happened? We had our own kids. And you know what? Those things, they have their own mind sometimes, and they have their own will, and they do certain things. And you establish family rules. And within those family rules, Deb and I didn't write down and say, hey, here's some rules that we can make. You know what? We should actually decide to have kids so they could follow these rules. We're so good, right? We didn't sit down and do that. But no, instead, what, what did we do? We had, we had our own kids, and what did we do? We established rules, and some of them changed over the years because we said, well, that's a little too nuts. That's a little too crazy. Ah, we need a little more here. And what did the three, three boys do anyway? They established their own set of rules and went whatever, right? That's what it, but you have family rules. And when we had our family rules for our kids, right, those were rules for our kids. Well, hang on. The neighbors, they, they still get to do this on this day. Yeah, we, we know they get to do that on that day. But you don't. You, you, this is our family. Well, why do they get? No, these are our rules. Just a fun story, if I can throw it in. When I was growing up, I told you that when we went to a, we, we dressed up to go to church on a regular basis. My sister, um, I, I like picking on her. I have, I have a few sisters, but my, the sister that's closest to me in age. Uh, every Wednesday night, um, understand, in my house, we were going to church Wednesday night, whether it mattered, no matter what you had, all right? It was a family rule, all right? It was in the family, all right? And my sister, she'd come downstairs. I'm not going tonight. I got homework. You're going. I'm not going. I got homework. You're going. She marches back upstairs. Right? That's the idea right there. And as I pick on her, and I've picked on her before about this. I, I love laughing about it. She'd come back down with pants on. Like I said, that, there's dress. That wasn't allowed. Go back up and change. No, this time I'm going. Go back up and change. Sure enough. Some of you were there. Some of you, you know that because you were there back down and we and went to church. It was just that way. And we knew that. Those were family rules. Our friends didn't go to church on Wednesday night, but our, our family did. And that was part of the family rules. Some of you, you wish, right? You wish you could give some of the kids around your neighborhood your rules, right? Because you're like, hey, you know what? Stay in your house, all right? Until we move, you're, or until you're 25, whatever, stay, right? right? That's some of the rules that you'd like to have for some of the kids around you. But family rules. And then there's another set of rules in there. And it's, it's God's rules. And sometimes we, we struggle with God's rules. What are God's rules, right? For some of us, God's rules are whatever he says to me or whatever I think they should be, that's good enough for me. For others, it's whatever God said, that is what we ha all have to do, and that's how we're all going to follow it. And God's rules, sometimes we get a little bit nervous because we're like, I don't know that I can maintain. I don't know that I can keep those. Um, and God's rules became rules that, oof, boy, what's the, sometimes what, what's the standard? 
Are God's rules more like the family rules that, hey, you're in and you follow them? Are they more like the community rules? We hope we know what they are and we hope we can be good enough at the end. And if we're good enough at the end, then God let us in, right? Is that what it is? Well, all the way back, um, 15, almost 1,500 years before Christ, as a matter of fact, probably the third oldest set of rules that we know of in the world and the most documented set of rules in the world, God gave. And they were the Ten Commandments. God gave them to his, to his children, all right? They weren't, they weren't anybody at the time, but he gave them to a person called Moses. And they were the, the Ten Commandments. And I'm sure that everybody in here has heard of the Ten Commandments at some point in your life. And for those of you that grew up in church, the Ten Commandments, right, they're very important. We all need to follow them. And yet, for many of us, we can only name a handful of them, right? And for some of us, we, we don't even know where they are. Um, they're, I, I don't know, they're in here. Um, I'm pretty sure they're in here. And the good news is I have Siri right here. And if I ask Siri, I'm sure she'll tell me. Last time I spoke, Siri answered. So I better be quiet in here with Siri there. But they're there, and God gave 10 commandments. And in giving those 10 commandments, he was setting up a nation for himself. He was setting up a people that he wanted to have for himself. And I just want you to know that those 10 commandments, they're found in Exodus, all right? Exodus chapter 20. So if you didn't know that, you're, you're, now you're ready. You know, hey, the 10 commandments. Exodus chapter 20. It's the second book of the Bible, Genesis Exodus, all right? As a matter of fact, reading through Genesis, very interesting. Reading up through Exodus chapter 20, going to there, it is interesting reading. I would encourage you. Um, we actually have some Bibles back there available. If you don't have one, we would love for you to take one with you this morning. All right, we'd love for you to have that. But Exodus chapter 20, God gives these 10 commandments. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're not going to look at all 10 of them. We're just going to look at the preamble, really. Just the beginning, what does God say? And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, he says this, Then God gave the people all these instructions. And I'm going to stop right there because that then is important. I want, I want to get you through what that then is. When, does that, when is that then taking place? What, what took place up to this point to bring us to the spot where this set of rules that's the, at least the third oldest, the third oldest that we know of in humankind, the most popular, as I said, all right, in, in, in the human world, all right, the most known, all right, what took place to get us to this spot, spot where it was then God gave the people all these instructions? Well, if you were here last week, as Pastor Tim spoke, he was speaking about Abram, all right? And Abram, who became Abraham, who became the father of a great nation, as a matter of fact, of two great nations, all right, and mighty nations there. And back in Genesis chapter 18, um, we're told this, for Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. How many nations of the earth is that? All of them. Was it just for that moment in time? Well, it wasn't just for that moment in time because Abraham wasn't a great and mighty nation. He had two sons, one by his handmaid and one by his wife that was born in very old age for both of them. All right. And they were very nervous. Abraham, Abraham as a matter of fact, he was one that was there. God, you've given me this promise. You've promised me land. You've promised me seed. You've promised me blessing. I don't have any children. And yet God provided him a child. And God said that you will go through that. And right here we have Abraham and his son, Isaac. That was who was born of him. And um, then his grandson, Jacob. 
All right? And if you, and like I said, if you would like to read about each of these characters, Genesis, uh, right, as you follow right through the passage, it is a great story as he takes us through that. But Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons. And then having Jacob, 12 sons, it's his 11th son that was born by the name of Joseph. And Joseph became the favorite. And guess what? The 10 older brothers, they didn't like the favorite. He was babied. He was spoiled, right? And as a result of that, they decided that they were going to sell Joseph. They sold him into slavery and went back and they told their dad. They went back and they told their dad, Jacob, hey, this son of yours, he was killed by a wild animal, it appears. Here's his, here's his coat, the, coat, the wonderful coat of many colors that you gave him. He was killed by a wild animal. And, and they had sold him. They don't know what happened to him, but get rid of him. He's gone. Now we go back. Imagine the secret that they have to keep. All of them. All right? The 10 brothers that they're keeping from, that, from their dad and keeping amongst themselves. The guilt that reigns up inside them. But Joseph ends up going to Egypt. And in Egypt, Joseph continues to follow his God. Now think about this very idea that he is following and he is doing what he can to honor his God. He was sold into slavery. And as a result, he ends up in Egypt and he rises up in the ranks there. Right? And as he rises up in the ranks, all of a sudden, there's a false accusation against him and he finds himself in jail. And yet he still continues to worship his God. God, where are you in the midst of my struggles, in the midst of my difficulties? That's Joseph. Joseph rises back because of the because of God's work in his life and give him the ability to understand dreams. Joseph rises back and becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And in becoming the prime minister of Egypt, he saves the nation and saves the then known world because there's a famine that is coming. And Joseph says, let's prepare for it. And when that famine comes, it covers the entire world. And guess what? Those other 11 brothers, excuse me, the other 10 brothers that had sold him and then the younger brother that has come on, the other 11 brothers... Their dad says, hey, there's grain down in Egypt. Go and buy it. Those brothers end up, they go down there, and who do they meet with? They meet with their brother that they sold, but they don't even know it's him. Their brother had saved the then known world. And all of a sudden, all 12 sons, they end up going down into Egypt. And Exodus chapter 1 tells us in that, that 70 of his descendants came into Egypt. And as they came into Egypt, they were highly revered at the time. Why? Because Joseph was highly revered. But as the years went by, they started to multiply <clears throat> and they started to become a nation. A well, let's not say a nation, but a larger and larger family. And as they became a larger and larger family, all right, they start to grow. They start to expand. And the people that are in Egypt, they decide, whoa, 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 this group is becoming too large for us. So let's put them as slaves so that they don't become a thorn to us, but rather they serve us. And for 400 years in Egypt, they serve and they become slaves. Excuse me there. Let's do that. Um, from there, they're, they're as slaves. All of a sudden, they're looking around. All, all this promise. Just think about them every morning, right? Going to work, coming back from work. And when they go and worship, hey, don't forget Father Abraham. He was promised that he was going to be a blessing. Yeah, this is a real blessing. We're blessing Egypt, all right, every morning with more and more work. Every day with more and more work. We're, we're a real blessing to the world. We're appreciating this whole Father Abraham thing. 400 years of it. And suddenly God says, no, there's going to be a deliverer. And he sends Moses. And Moses goes to the Pharaoh. And what does he say? He says, let my people go. A number of you already knew that, didn't you? And Pharaoh says, 
what? Why would we do that? We're not going to let you go. You're staying right here with us. All right? And nature is turned upside down over the next few weeks as God performs miraculous signs in front of his people and on the, on the nation of Egypt. And he plagues them. And he brings these plagues upon them. And yet Pharaoh will say, yep, they're going to leave. Nope, they're not going to leave. And Moses and Pharaoh back and forth, back and forth. And as it continues on, suddenly God says one more thing. He says, hey, Moses, get your people ready. There's going to be one final plague and they're going to tell you to go. I want you to be ready because there's going to be one final thing, and all I want you to do is you're just going to have a meal. You're going to prepare a meal. Oh, we've done that lots of times, all right? And when you prepare that meal, you're going to take that lamb. You're going to slaughter it. Yep, we've done that. You're going to eat together. Yep, we've done that. Each house is going to eat together. Um, and then what I want you to do is I want you to, once you, once you slaughter that lamb, I want you to take that blood, and I want you to paint it on the doorposts of your house. And all the Martha Stewarts of the world at that time said, What? I mean, the one dad, he's there like, she just made me paint it last week. I'm not putting blood up on there. It'll really mess up the door. And that wreath that she made, that's looking really good, right? But no, God says, no, we want you to, you're going to do this. And the people are wondering, why is this? And God is just saying, hey, I want you to trust me for this. That night, death comes over the entire land of Egypt, and they are delivered all right, and they go wandering out. And when they are delivered, they go out of Egypt. And as they go out of Egypt, one million plus people strong following uh, Moses, they get out. And what do they finally come to? They come to a sea and there's water there and there's the Egyptian army behind them. And then what do they do? They look around and say, God was so great. He delivered us before he's gonna deliver us again, right? If you're familiar with the story, that's not what they said. They complained. They said, Moses, what are you bringing us out here for? We're just gonna die. Were there not enough graves back in Egypt for us? And God parts the waters and he delivers them. And we get to that three weeks later. Three weeks later from when they had been delivered. This generation of people, this group of people, this group of individuals that had seen the power of God, not had heard about it in Egypt, but this group of people that had seen the power of God on a regular basis. Ten plagues, the amazing work of God, this death, the separation of water, giving them, providing them food as they wander out here. Three weeks later, they are standing at the base of Mount Sinai. Then God gave them, gave the people all these instructions. 400 years of slavery, God has delivered them. And these are the words that he says to them. I am the Lord, your God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're the Lord, our God. We haven't even done anything yet. Aren't we supposed to do something? Don't we have to do something? I mean, quite really, if you want to be truthful, I wasn't the one, but there are a lot of others that were complaining about Moses, right? That, that's how they're responding. That's how they're acting. And as they come out here, God says, no, no, no. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. They all saw that. They all were aware of that. They knew exactly what had happened. They were a part of it firsthand. They were eyewitnesses. I am the Lord your God. You see, the Ten Commandments weren't given to them for them to follow but as a condition of what they needed to do, but rather they were given to them. And God continues on. He says, you must have no other God but me. That's it. If you're the people looking around, you're like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll take that. Number one is that sounds really good. No other God but you. We just saw everything you do. You're our God. You're who we're following. They're a part of a family, family 
rules or the idea that I'm putting out there to you. You see, rules always assume a relationship. God was giving rules to his people. Why? Because they were his people. Why? Because he had chosen them. You see, it wasn't a community idea. It was rather a family idea. It's one of the things that Bridgewater does so well or tries to do so well, I think. We want you to come. We want you to belong. We want you to feel like you belong here. Wherever you are coming from in your life, if you feel broken, if you feel like it's time to celebrate, we want you to feel like you belong here. Why? Because we think God will change your life and be in the process of changing your life here. Others, they, want you to ma- they may want you to maintain rules, right? Sometimes it feels like if I keep the rules and behave well, then I can belong. But we want you to belong. You see, the rules were never, they were never a condition of the relationship, right? The rules weren't the condition of the relationship. The rules were given because there was a relationship. And God established it with them. And again, just like the family idea. You're ours. Why do you behave the way we want you to? Because you're our kids. Those aren't our kids. We don't have the rules. We don't make the rules for them. But God says here, I'm going to give you these rules. You see, the rules were designed to protect the people in the relationship. That's what they were designed for. And God says, look, Abraham, Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation. And all nations of the earth will be blessed through him. And here, when this nation goes out, God's going to establish a nation of people. And he says right here, you're my people. You may sin. You may fall short. And over the next 700 years, actually over the next 1,400 years, they continue to fall short. But over the next 700 years, they fall short of these rules that God has given them. They continue to walk away. They continue to run away. They continue to do things in their own way. Kind of like people today, right? We know what God desires of us. We know what he has set for us, but sometimes I'd rather do my own thing. Why? Because sometimes those pesky rules that I'm supposed to love others better than myself, it gets in the way because those others aren't as lovely as me, right? I mean, we can't say that. Only an idiot up front can say something like that, right? We can't say that in real life, but that's what happens sometimes. I got to protect myself. I got to take care of me, but God said it. All right. And, and, And 700 years after the giving of those instructions, the prophet Isaiah is making a proclamation and he's still reaffirming what it was said to Abraham, what it had been said to Abraham over a thousand years earlier, right? And it was this. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. And he's talking, again, Isaiah is talking to the nation of Israel. You haven't been behaving. God's gonna send you off in time out. He's gonna take you away. But he is going to bring you back and he wants you to know that you're still going to be a light to the Gentiles. We haven't been doing that well. How are we gonna be a light to the Gentiles? I don't know. And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And what are we reminded of with that? That the bottom line was this, the 10 commandments, they they were confirmation, not a condition of the people's relationship with God. They couldn't keep them. They fell short. They continued to fall short. And then falling short, they were called back by the prophets. In 700 years plus, after Isaiah made that statement about, hey, you're still going to be a light to the world, an angel shows up 
on a night when there are some shepherds out doing what shepherds normally do, just shepherding sheep. An angel shows up on a hillside. And we thought it was a Christmas story, but it's a life story, right? And we do it at Christmas and we love it. But the angel shows up and the people are terrified, right? The shepherds are terrified because you don't normally see angels while you're out watching your sheep. It's not normal. And they're terrified, but the angel said, hey, don't be scared. For I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. And he continues on to say, today, in the city of David, a Savior is born. Who was it for? It was for all people. Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to the world. Nation of Israel, you're going to be a blessing to the world. But wait, we're just slaves. No, but I'm giving you some stats and standards. Why? Because I want you to know that there is something. I have made rules and I am holding to them even though you can't. Why? Because we're in a family relationship. You are mine. I love you. And while you may run away, I am going to keep running after you and drawing you back to me. And one of the disciples that spent the most time with that Savior that had come, that the angels had proclaimed, would later, near the end of his life, he would write down these words that he had been proclaiming since the resurrection of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He would write down these words and he would say this, he came into the very world he created. Talking about Jesus, John is talking about him in his, in his gospel, verse 10, and he says these words, he came into the world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. He wasn't what they were looking for. They were looking for somebody that looked more spectacular they were looking for somebody that looked like a king. They were looking for somebody that was going to be a revolutionary and take over the, and set the nation of Israel free. He came to his own, to his own people. And even they rejected him. But to all who believed, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become country club, join the country club of God? Was it join the homeowners association of God? Was it join, you know what, come to our school. We want you to come to our school so that you can learn. But no, they became the children of God. Family. Back to that very idea. You are mine. Thus, when Paul said the words in Romans, and he, and he said that God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners. You see, God demonstrated his love to the nation of Israel, and that while they were still stuck in slavery, he grabbed them and said, you are mine. And God demonstrates his love to us today, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There wasn't a condition that, hey, if you go to church enough times, we don't know how many times that is, but if you go enough times, all right, that's going to be good enough. Or if you give enough, you know, or if you serve enough, if you do enough, if you know what, there's a lot of Christian podcasts. If you listen to enough Christian podcasts, you can even double that up and then you can make sure you're really good. Jesus never said that. God didn't say that for us. Those weren't the conditions. He rather demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the people, all the way back 
in the Old Testament, when given that idea, write those rules. They were never a condition for the relationship. They weren't. The rules were designed to protect the people in the relationship. Just like you as a parent, when you give your children rules, what are you doing it for? Well, I did it because I didn't want to have any fun, right? My kids will never have fun. They're not allowed. We're going to establish rules, anti-fun rules, right? Don't touch the burner. Why? Because you might have fun burning your hand, right? Um, stay out. Don't stay out till after midnight or however late it is because we know that only good things take place for 16-year-olds at that time of night, right? That, the right parents, we're just the anti-fun people. But why? You establish it. Why? Because you're trying to protect the people. And God did the same. And his only requirement, all the way back there at that time of the Passover, take the lamb, take that blood, and I want you to paint it on the doorpost. Why? Why would we do something like that? Right? As I said, we just cleaned it up. We don't want that. I just power washed it last week, right? I want you to trust me. But why? Trust me. And when Jesus shows up on the scene in the New Testament, the disciples, they're following him, right? And as they follow him, Jesus says, trust me. And they're like, trust you? What? Yeah, feed all these people. But we've only got a handful of food here. How are we going to feed all of them? Trust me. Go and do it. Wait a minute. You, you guys go and heal. Trust me. You can do it. Follow me. You can trust me. And Jesus, with those disciples, they started to trust him. And then all of a sudden, what happened? He was arrested and he died. And all of a sudden, they're there like, wow, the very person that we thought that we could trust is gone. What do we do now? And they all went and hid because they're fearful. Why? Because if the leader's killed, we might be killed next. And Jesus rose again. And he walks in. Exactly. Hallelujah. And he walks in and he says, trust me. I'm giving you all authority. Go into all the world. Proclaim the gospel. What is it that he's looking for? He's looking for us to trust him. It's so much easier to say than it is to do. But he asks that we would trust him. Why? Because God demonstrated his love while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. And just as in that Old Testament time, he said, paint those doors. This is going to be the start of my nation, of my people. I want you to trust me. God calls out to us still today, trust me. And that's true if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for a major portion of your life to whether you are just walking in here for the first time today, that God is calling you, trust me. I'm worthy of trust. Even in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of brokenness of life, I'm worthy of being trusted. Will we do that? Pray with me if you would, please. God, as we close our time together this morning, I say thank you for each of these individuals here today. Lord, I pray that you would bless. I pray that you would encourage them. Help each one of us in our walk with you, Lord. It's so much easier to talk about trust than it is to do. Why, God? Because we fall short. We fall short because we're people. And God, I find it so much easier at times to trust in my own foolish strength than to trust in you. But I'm reminded on moments like this, on messages like this, mornings like this, that God, you called your people 
to trust. It's just the simple act of painting blood on a doorpost, Lord. Trust me. And they saw the results the next morning. Lord, help us to trust you. Why? Because we have a Savior whose blood was shed for our sins. And you are worthy of our trust. Why, God? Because you have our best interest in mind. We can't always see that. But God, we say thank you. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one. Thank you, God, that you are a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Can you guys stand in response this morning?